Discerning Hearts presents Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. This series of programs is a special presentation of a seminar conducted by Father Gallagher on discerning the will of God, as taught by St. Ignatius of Loyola. Handouts alluded to by Father Gallagher can be found in the description below, or you can find it in the post for this episode found at discerninghearts.com. We now begin Conference 3 of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. Welcome back. And let's pick right up with uh, the theme we were dealing with last time. We're speaking about the foundation of our discernment. And we had gotten to this point where we've quoted St. John Henry Newman, where he says so beautifully that uh, God has given to each of us a task which he has not given to anyone else. I have my mission. Those four words are worth engraving in our consciousness. And of course, discernment is all about understanding what that mission is and then fulfilling it so that our lives accomplish on earth the task that God has given us, like St. Therese's parents raising that child or the various examples uh, that we saw earlier. Let's look at this same theme now of the mission that God has given each of us individually from all eternity. And let's look at this and as scripture speaks about this truth. I think you can see here one very deep root of something that uh, St. John Paul II repeated over and over again, and the church continues to speak of, and that is the dignity of each human person. There is no replaceable human being. Each one of us is unique and precisely unrepeatable and unreplaceable. Jeremiah, this classic text, before I formed you in the womb, now let's each of us hear this in a very personal way. The you is each of us listening right now. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I dedicated you. For Jeremiah, his call, his mission was to be a prophet to the nations. For one or another of us, it will be to be the husband or wife of this man or woman to be the parents of these children, to work with these people in the business sphere, to be involved in the church in this or that way, to be a prophet to the nations, I appointed you. Again, I have my mission. Isaiah, the Lord called me from birth. From my mother's womb, he gave me my name. Now, biblically, the giving of the name is the giving of the mission. So, for example, when Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter, which means rock, Petra, rock, uh, the change of name indicates the, the mission, the call, the vocation. And so from birth, even from our, our mother's womb, God has given each of us our name, our mission. St. Paul says something very similar in the Galatians. God, who from my mother's womb had set me apart, called me through his grace, even before his birth. But above all, we see this in Jesus. Uh, You could look through the Gospel of John. We'll quote just a few verses from it, but you could read the Gospel of John, and you'll see this theme everywhere through the chapters of that Gospel. It's in the others as well, but it really stands out in the Gospel of John. In Hebrews 10, when 
um, the the text speaks of how Jesus comes into the world. The text uses uh, a quote from the psalm, sacrifice and offering you did not want, and then a body you prepared for me. Then I said, and this is speaking in the voice of Jesus, behold, I come to do your will, O God. That is what Jesus has come to do. It can all be summed up in that single sentence. What has Jesus come to do in the world? I come to do your will, O God. And he's the model for every one of us. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Think of the meal that you had yesterday or this morning or today. It's what gives you the energy to be active, to live your life. What gives Jesus the spiritual nourishment that he needs to live his life and accomplish the task given him by the Father is precisely this. It's doing his Father's will. That is the nourishment that sustains him. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's the whole meaning and purpose and desire of my life. And again, he is our Lord. He is the one in whose footsteps we all walk. John 8, I always do what is pleasing to him, to the Father. And then in that dramatic moment in prayer, uh, even to the sweating of blood in the garden on the threshold of his passion, Jesus makes this powerful prayer, but not as I will, but as you will. Again, these are all ways of expressing the foundation. This is what, when we are discerning in a given choice, this is the foundation. This is what we are seeking to find. What is your will? So that it can be my food, my nourishment. That's what I'll always be doing throughout my life. And so that's the foundation. Any solid discernment will always have to be built on this foundation. There isn't any other foundation on which a solid discernment can be built. And Ignatius, who is so conscious of this, has us begin the process of discernment by refreshing, renewing, and please God, even deepening our understanding and awareness and our taking to heart our assimilation of this principle and foundation. So that this is what we are seeking when we look at the various options in the choice. Now, what about this foundation that we've been talking about in our culture today? There it is. This is the first sentence of Ignatius' text, that this is what our lives are all about. God created us out of love so that we might praise and reverence. Those are very rich words for Ignatius, praise and reverence, acatamiento in Spanish. It's a kind of uh, awe-filled delight and awareness of the beauty and the goodness of God. God created us out of love so that we might praise and reverence his infinite love and goodness. And by dedicating our lives to his service, sometimes his whole spirituality is called a mysticism of service. By dedicating our lives to his service, we might enter an eternity of joyful communion, communion with him. That's the foundation on which that's the only truth on which a life can be built. It's enough to say this to, to understand the urgency of evangelization as the church so compellingly um, calls us to today, because how many human hearts know this? How many human lives are built on this foundation? And what are the consequences when they're not? And more happily, what are the consequences when they are? 
how present is that foundation, that truth of the meaning of our lives in our culture today? When was the last time you heard reference to it in the newspaper? When was the last time that you found it on the internet or on television? When was the last time you heard a politician speak about it? When was the last time a university professor outside of, let's say, um, clearly Christian or Catholic circles, when was the last time that students heard a university professor speak about this foundation? And there's nothing more foundational or fundamental or important in our lives than this truth. When was the last time you came across it on your phone? Unless it was again, a strictly Catholic or Christian source. When was the last time you heard it referred to in a movie? And we could go on and on and on. What are the foundations then in our cultures today? Because everybody has to live on some foundation, build his or her life on some foundation. Well, that's a scattershot to reply. It's my life and I'll make my decisions on that basis. I want what feels right for me. Follow your bliss. Just do it. I want to be fulfilled. It's my choice, and we could go on and on and on with these. Now, to varying degrees, there may be some partial truth in some of those formulations, but as far as a foundation on which to build our lives and as a foundation for an accurate and solid discernment, they are absolutely inadequate. There is only one foundation on which solid discernment can be built. And that's what Ignatius has given us as we begin to reflect, and please God, learn, learn from our tradition mediated through Ignatius on how to approach sound and helpful and authentic discernment. So we have looked at the various kinds of choices in which we discern. We have looked at the foundation on which solid discernment must be built. We've spoken, we've seen Ignatius speak now of a disposition of heart that is necessary for good discernment. And in fact, all of the spiritual means and tools that Ignatius gives us and the, the, the various uh, exercises, spiritual exercises he has us go through in order to prepare for discernment are all geared towards seeking from God the grace of this specific disposition of heart. Without it, we cannot discern. When it is present, we are ready to discern. Let's uh, approach this. Well, we've already seen this example, so we don't need to go through it again. This is Catherine as she's driving home from work in that time when she's discerning between marriage and religious life. And she has that rich experience of being gazed upon with such love by the Lord. It was like when I fell in love except that it was magnified a hundred times. And then she, that question spontaneously arises from her heart. What do you want, Lord? What do you want? Discernment is born. And then finally, as she pulls into the parking lot with her heart and parks the car and just sits there absorbing what has happened, 
with her heart filled with the awareness of being so loved, she simply finds herself saying to the Lord, whatever you want, Lord, whatever, whatever you want, Lord. That's exactly the disposition to which Ignatius invites us, the grace he invites us to seek as the indispensable space of the heart for discernment. As we look at various options in a discernment, so Brian remaining in finance or moving into optometry, um, whether the family should stay here or God is calling us to move to a new situation, whether God is calling me to take up this new activity in the parish or in service of the church in some way, is God calling our family to adopt a child? And on and on with these various choices that we face in discernment. And we love the Lord and we really want to see his will clearly so that we can do it. This is the disposition of heart that permits us to discern well, whatever you want, Lord. And this is the way Ignatius describes this in one text in the spiritual exercises. In choices in which we are free to choose amongst, among various options, and here's the um, metaphor he uses here, we must hold ourselves as in a balance with regard to these gifts of God's creation. So the image, we must hold ourselves as in a balance. The image that Ignatius uses, and elsewhere he describes it this way, our hearts need to be like a balance at equilibrium. As you see in the image there, it's not leaning one way or the other. If it's Brian, please God, if he has sought and God has given him the grace of this disposition, whatever you want, Lord, his heart is not set either on finance or optometry but he's like a balance at equilibrium until God will show him which option God wills. And then, of course, uh, he will embrace it fully. But before he has that clarity, and while he is in the process of discernment, his heart is like a balance at equilibrium, not fixed on one or the other option, but ready to go wherever God will lead. And you can see as I say this, this is a great grace. Uh, how many times as I face choices, as you face choices, we very strongly, um, uh, we're not like a balance at equilibrium, we strongly lean toward one option and it's hard perhaps to can even consider the other and so on. And so you can see why we need a process usually, uh, most of us, and of course Ignatius builds this into his exercises, a process of using various spiritual tools, sacraments, prayer, discernment, various tools, to seek this grace from God, which then allows us to enter into a good discernment. I have never forgotten a conversation with a man who earlier in his life was discerning between priesthood and marriage. And he also, uh, like Catherine, he had very real options either way. And a both a, a leaning and a resistance and a struggle um, to, as he considered these options. And there was a perpetual adoration chapel in his parish. And uh, this was an early morning hour, say two or three in the morning, this small chapel surrounded by the quiet and the dark of the night. And he was in the chapel with uh, the other person. They were signed up two per hour. And there was the Blessed Sacrament on the altar, perhaps 20, 30 feet in front of him. And he found himself just gazing at the Blessed Sacrament exposed on the altar and felt 
a deep, deep sense of the truth of the Lord's real presence there before him and a deep sense of being infinitely loved warmed his heart. And in the power of that grace found himself saying very easily with no struggle at all to the Lord, whatever you want, Lord. If you want me to be married, I'll be married. If you want me to be a priest, I'll be a priest. When God has given that grace, you and I are ready to discern. That's what Ignatius means by the disposition that is necessary for discernment. This is a sentence from one of the great commentators on the exercises, the Spanish Jesuit Ignacio Casanovas from the last century. And he writes this, the existence of this precious disposition, whatever you want, Lord, or its absence, principally determines, that's strong language, principally determines whether the discernment will be made well or poorly. Principally determines. So obviously, it, this is something very important. And if you are facing a discernment now or at any time in the future, as you approach it, this is the principal grace to seek from the Lord. And as I've been saying, Ignatius will show us how to seek this grace from God. It is a grace. Only God can give it. But our part, as Ignatius says so often, is to dispose ourselves, in this case, to dispose our hearts to receive this grace. And there are ways of doing this. And its existence or its absence is what more than anything else will determine whether the, the discernment will be made well. So it's Mary. And you see it so perfectly there at the Annunciation. Um, one of the richest, after Jesus, the richest expression of this disposition of heart faced with, in this case, a call from God to which to say yes or no. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I am completely available. Let it be done to me according to your word. Lord, toward where you're leading me in my life. And of course, we know the beautiful fruitfulness that came from this discernment, as it always does from well-made discernment. So as we've done a few times before, I'm going to invite us, I'm going to be silent here just for a very few, two or three minutes. And a soft background, we'll just look at some expressions of this disposition in various writings of the saints. So this is a time of reflection, but also I invite us together to a time of prayer, asking for the grace of this disposition in our own hearts that it may grow. We'll return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. This is the disposition of heart that permits discernment. It's the great grace to pray for in any discernment that we face. So we have looked at the kinds of choices, the foundation that permits discernment, the disposition of heart that we seek from the Lord for that discernment. Now let's look at the spiritual tools or the spiritual means that Ignatius supplies for us to help us acquire, well, to grow in that foundation and rootedness in it, and that that disposition take take hold of our hearts so that we can discern. So Ignatius doesn't simply enunciate these various graces and then leave us on our own, as it were to uh, flounder and find our way toward this. But this is the whole point of his title of his book, Spiritual Exercises. There are actual spiritual means, spiritual actions, uh, ways of praying and so forth that we can do and directed specifically toward discernment in a way that will help us move along this itinerary toward a sound discernment. Spiritual means to help us to discern, and that's what we're going to look at now. I always remember once uh, giving a retreat, and uh, one of the retreatants telling me that one day she was looking out the window of her room, and she watched the groundskeeper go out of the building and walk over toward a tool shed that was not too far away, and she watched him go in the tool shed get the tools that he needed for whatever task he was doing around the grounds and head out of the tool shed with them, equipped for his task. And she said, you know, I feel like that's what St. Ignatius has done for me. He's given me the spiritual tools, the spiritual means that I need in order to discern. Well, that's what we want to look at now. All right, what are these? First and foremost among them, as we might expect, is the Holy Eucharist. And this is a key thing for discernment. If we are discerning, let's be aware of the place that the Eucharist has in our lives and the place that we are giving it in our process of discernment. If you look at Ignatius' own personal experience of discernment, if you go back to those first months after his conversion, which he spends in this small city of Manresa, Uh, Precisely, the Eucharist is at the center of this. Every morning he rises and goes to Mass in one of the churches in this small city and then returns in the evening to the church for the singing of Vespers, either by the canons or the monks, uh, depending on the the church that he uh, approaches in in the city. And in the spiritual exercises themselves, you see him give this double place to the Eucharist at least twice a day. Obviously, people may spend much more time than this before the Blessed Sacrament, but these two same moments are there in the day of the exercises, the celebration of Mass each day, and then uh, before the Blessed Sacrament for the 
the praying of evening prayer or vespers, as it was called in his time. If we look at the notebooks that are called his spiritual diary, in which he chronicles an important discernment, we'll come back to it later. What Ignatius does, faced with a, a discernment of great importance, is to decide to celebrate Mass on 40 consecutive days, seeking from the Lord the grace that he needs, the light that he needs for this discernment, so that very almost naturally, um, almost spontaneously, when Ignatius enters into discernment, he places the Holy Eucharist at the heart, uh, in a very central place in any process of discernment. So, Mass. Is any one of us right now facing an important discernment, or just a discernment that in which he or she needs light? And of course, all of us at some point will be facing various discernments. This is a first counsel from Ignatius, a first spiritual tool, if we can reverently use that word, of something as holy as this, is the Mass. Can you get closer to the Mass? Is it possible for you to get to Mass during the week? Is daily Mass even possible during a time of discernment? For some of us, the answer will be no. Uh, young children, various responsibilities, situations of health, distance, and so forth. But for some of us, the answer will be yes, uh, that could happen. I could get to Mass once, twice, three times during the week or even daily. It's something to consider because the closer you get to the Eucharist, the more, well, the closer you're getting to Christ because that's what the Eucharist is most fundamentally. And therefore, the more light you're going to have in your discernment. And then, uh, secondly, just prayer before the Blessed Sacrament outside of the time of Mass. Is it possible for you to spend some time in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament? on your way to work, on your way home from work, um, in those free hours in the early afternoon for some of us, or maybe after daily Mass, just to stay there before the Blessed Sacrament and pray for a while. This is a powerful thing. Of course, it's a blessing uh, at any time in our spiritual lives, but in its own very special way, in the time of discernment, the closer we get to the Eucharist, and prayer before the Blessed Sacrament is a powerful thing the closer we are getting to Christ, who tells us he is the light of the world. It's where we're going to find the light that we need in our discernment. When I was writing uh, my book on uh, discerning God's will, one of the things I did was to interview a good number of people who were willing to share with me experiences of discernment in their lives. And pretty quickly, I noticed a pattern uh, in many of these interviews, the, the person would say, and then I started going to Mass during the week, or then I started praying before the Blessed Sacrament, or then I started making a holy hour. And it wasn't long before I could see, just as I listened to people sharing their experiences, how central the Eucharist was and is to so many processes of good and sound discernment. That's why I say this is the first question to ask ourselves, what place am I giving? What place can I give? Without strain, I don't ever mean that. But uh, maybe with a little effort, sure. What place could the Eucharist have in my discernment? Could it have more of a place than it does now? Especially in a key time of discernment. If you'd look at the handout, we have some experiences of this, which I've pulled from 
some of these um, interviews that we did. And uh, let's just look at these briefly. This first we already read when we looked at Robert in his college age uh, discernment. When I went to college, I started going to daily mass. That was where the idea of a vocation started to be stirred. I went to daily mass all year. I was also making visits to the Blessed Sacrament. That was where I first felt deep, deep stirrings in my heart. You can just see the link here between prayer, the Mass and prayer before the Blessed Sacrament and progress and discernment. I really started feeling the pull. I would spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament in the evening, absorbed in peace and serenity. And this is Martha. Uh, and she makes an eight-day Ignatian retreat during a process of discernment. Last spring, I made an eight-day Ignatian retreat. Since then, I began to make a holy hour every day before the Blessed Sacrament. While I was discerning, I brought this decision daily to the Lord in that hour. That's what I mean by this instinct that I found in so many people. I'm in a time of discernment. This is important. I need God's help in a special way, and it leads them to daily Mass and to prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. And this third, uh, Teresa, um, reverently, because again, we're on holy ground, there's something really beautiful and something else we'll see here. So she's uh, in college age and also discerning. In my visits to the Blessed Sacrament each night in the lovely college chapel, I begged and begged. So what she's begging for is show me, Lord, do you want this or do you want that? She doesn't specify here whether it's career, vocation, or what it is here. But this, this prayer that comes rises from the depths of her heart, this begging of the Lord is show me, Lord. Show me which option is your will for me. But something else happens as she makes this prayer. While I w but I noticed my earnest pleadings being transformed into not my will, but thine be done. So that as Teresa spends this time before the Blessed Sacrament, in her mind, what she's doing, and it's beautiful, is going to in before the Lord in the Lord's presence, seeking clarity about the options she's facing. But what the Lord is doing, even before he gives that clarity, and while she's making this prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, is to pour the disposition into her heart. She's growing that's the, the, the being transformed of which she speaks so, so richly here. The disposition, whatever you want, Lord, is growing, taking root, deepening in her heart, so that when the Lord does show her which option he wills in her discernment, she's going to be, her heart is going to be ready to say yes to whatever he'll show her. If we pray like this before the Blessed Sacrament in a process of discernment, not only will we be moving toward the light that we need, the clarity, but our hearts are going to be changed as well and opened. The disposition will grow. We'll be increasingly readied for the clarity that the Lord will give and to embrace it. So, if you are discerning now, if you are discerning in the future, the best thing you can do is to grow close to the Eucharist. Of course, that's true in general of our lives but in its own very specific way, as Ignatius indicates, in a time of a process of discernment. You need light. Christ is the light. He awaits you in the Eucharist.
If you do this, I can promise you this, you will not be disappointed. You will be very glad that you built this into your process of discernment. And of course this is so, because to use the phrase of the Second Vatican Council, the Eucharist is the source and summit of everything in the Christian life. It's the source of all grace, all power, because it is Christ himself and his redemptive act act is made present in the Eucharist, and it is the summit of everything else in our Christian life, our prayer, our work, our effort to live, the calling God has given us, all of this finds its summit in the Eucharist. The closer we get to the source and summit of everything in the Christian life, and the more grace will be poured out upon our discernment. Secondly, confession. If you look at the spiritual exercises, you'll see the place that Ignatius gives to this sacrament in the spiritual exercises. Confession. I want to um, enunciate here the five fruits of regular confession that the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church lists for us. Now, by regular confession, what the catechism means is the regular ongoing confession of venial sin. So this is not, um, of course, that very beautiful confession when there is serious or mortal sin involved. But this is the person who loves the Lord, seeks to, to serve the Lord faithfully, in this case is seeking the Lord's will in a discernment. But as scripture says, the just one falls seven times a day. We all we all need to bring our failures, our weakness, and our sinfulness to the Lord. And when we do this regularly, these are the fruits that result from it as the catechism gives them to us. This kind of regular confession helps us form our conscience, and we grow increasingly able to sift out what is good from what is bad or what is evil. Our conscience is sharpened, which is a great blessing for us as we go through life. The grace of this kind of regular confession helps us fight against evil tendencies. We all have the seven capital sins, which are not actual sins we commit, but tendencies that remain in us as a legacy of original sin, otherwise called concupiscence in the church's spiritual tradition. So those tendencies toward pride, self-centeredness, toward anger, toward envy, and so forth, uh, they're there in all of us. And regular confession is a powerful tool to help us fight against those, to overcome those, to find increasing freedom from them. Regular confession also is a way in which we let ourselves be healed by Christ. Spiritual wounds, emotional wounds, all the burdens that from the difficult things that we've been through in life and that maybe we're going through in life, if I may say that reverently now. And here is a means for healing, spiritual healing, moral healing, emotional healing. Through regular confession, we make progress in the life of the Spirit. We grow, we advance, we go forward in our spiritual lives when regular confession is a, a, a part of our lives. And who would not want these fruits? Who would stay away from something that builds these kinds of fruits into our spiritual lives? And of course, all the more in a time of discernment. You'll remember how Ignatius in that very first paragraph said that in order to prepare ourselves to seek and find God's will, we need to rid ourselves with God's grace of what he calls inordinate attachments. So there it is. Um, when our hearts are set on things in a way that is not fully rooted in God, 
This regular confession helps us fight against such tendencies. We find healing from them. We make progress. We grow in the life of the Spirit. And finally, the Catechism says, as we receive mercy in this regular way in our lives, we grow in our own capacity to be merciful toward others. Now, just look at those fruits. It's enough to have them enunciated like this to recognize why Ignatius invites us to consider building regular confession into a process of discernment. Because the purification, the healing, the growth that we need is so richly and powerfully fostered by regular confession, by the rich sacrament, uh, the rich grace of this sacrament. Personally, I'll just say that as the years of my life go by, I become increasingly grateful for this sacrament. I love this, the, the feeling of freshness, of new energy, of burdens lifted, of new hope. Uh, just being close to God, that is the, um, the wonderful fruit of this sacrament. So Ignatius would invite us to consider what place this has in our lives if we are discerning. Do we approach regular confession in a rhythm that is helpful for us? Might we consider that? if we are in a time of discernment and we need to seek God's grace and we need to apply the various spiritual tools, again, to use that image that can help dispose our hearts to receive the grace of the disposition and then receive the clarity that we need in discernment. If it's possible to do this with a regular confessor, and I know that isn't always possible, sometimes it's just uh, the best we can do, and it's wonderful just to be able to find any access to confession. It can take a little effort, um, which it amply repay, repays. But where it might be possible to go to confession to a priest that we find helpful, and we go regularly to this priest who gets to know us, there is another kind of benefit from that. In Ignatius's 14 rules for the discernment of spirits, in the 13th rule where he is counseling us, if you have burdens on your heart from the enemy, don't be alone with them. Find a wise and competent spiritual person and put them into words in a setting where it's safe like that and where you'll be understood and helped. One of the ways, one of the profiles of the person with whom we would speak is, quote, one's good confessor. Holy Eucharist, confession, and then prayer with scripture. What place does this have in our lives? What place does it have in our lives in a time of discernment? Now, if anyone makes the retreat as Ignatius sets it out, whether off in a retreat house or an hour a day in daily life over a number of months, both are, are ways Ignatius offers us, offers the retreat to us. The principal thing that one will do in terms of uh, time spent is to pray with scripture repeatedly day after day in the retreat ignatius has us pray with scripture four five times a day in the course of a day of retreat and in the formal exercises for an hour each time we do this so obviously for ignatius prayer with scripture is very central very important very fundamental to a process of good discernment why and how do we go about this? Let's take a look at it then. Prayer with Scripture. As we've been doing, let's uh, begin with an example 
which I think is as far as we'll get this time. And then we'll be picking this up in uh, subsequent reflections. But let's take a look at this. And this is Richard describing an experience of prayer. And of course, I share this with his permission. So Richard is playing with, uh, praying with the encounter of Jesus and Zacchaeus, this man short of stature, whose life is so far from God, who climbs the sycamore tree in the hope of just seeing Jesus at a distance as he walks by surrounded by the crowd. And then, of course, as we know the passage, Jesus stops, sets aside the crowd, the journey, everything, and his whole attention is given to Zacchaeus. I must stay with you today. So Richard writes, I took the place of Zacchaeus. So Richard is praying with this form of imaginative contemplation that Ignatius teaches us in the exercises in which imaginatively we enter into the scene. It's like the event is the, the movie of the event is showing on the wall and or on the screen and we walk right into the screen and we're there and we live it from within with this wonderful gift of imagination that God has given us. I took the place of Zacchaeus. So what Richard does is to actually uh, be there in the tree, taking Zacchaeus' place. He's experiencing what Zacchaeus experiences. I was there in the tree waiting for Jesus to pass by. When I imagine the gospel, I don't see things in great detail. I just had a sense of being in the tree waiting for Jesus to come. Then he did come and he stopped. I sensed that for him, in that moment, I was all that mattered. And you can see this passage beginning to deeply touch Richard's heart as he enters it imaginatively and prays with it this way. He was giving me his entire attention. And that was where the prayer stopped. Jesus looking at me with his whole attention, with warmth, with desire to be with me and my looking at him in response. So the prayer becomes very quiet. It's just an exchange of looks. And what Richard perceives in Jesus' gaze is what Zacchaeus found there, that right now you, Zacchaeus, you, Richard, any one of us praying, you're all that matters to me. My whole attention is given to you with warmth, with desire to be with you. It was quiet and happy. It lightened my worry and self-doubt. I knew that Jesus wanted to be with Zacchaeus regardless of Zacchaeus' sinfulness. Now, Richard doesn't um, go into detail here, but you can almost hear in this description that there's some place in, Zacche in, in Richard that is afraid or is burdened, some sense of self-doubt or guilt, and this is being lovingly, warmly addressed by the Lord. It was quiet and happy. It lightened my worry and self-doubt. I knew that Jesus wanted to be with Zacchaeus, regardless of Zacchaeus' sinfulness, and that by being with him, simply by letting him know that he was loved, Zacchaeus would be transformed. I felt that Jesus was with me in the same way. Then I heard Jesus say, Richard, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And we were together in the house without many words, just together. Now, with reverence, because we're on very holy ground here. What if Richard prays like this every day during a time of discernment? What if I were to pray like this every day during a time of discernment? 
What if you were to pray like this every day during a, a time of discernment? Can you see the closeness that emerges from this, the richness, the harmony with Jesus? Well, let me conclude with this. We'll look at, well, no, we'll pick this up next time. But you can see already from that simple example why for Ignatius in a time of discernment, prayer with scripture is so fundamental. We'll, we'll come back to this in our next reflection. You've been listening to the audio taken from the seminar on discerning the will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download other recordings from this seminar and so much more from Father Gallagher, visit discerninghearts.com or locate them within the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view this series of talks on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher.